0: Understanding the doctrine of Christ and strengthening our testimony is a labor that will bring real joy and satisfaction. We need to consistently study the words of Christ as found in the scriptures and the words of living prophets. For behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should do. Studying is then another essential key to become a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Prayer and scripture study go hand in hand. They work together for our benefit. This is the process that the Lord has established. To feast means more than to taste. To feast means to savor. We savor the scriptures by studying them in a spirit of delightful discovery and faithful obedience. When we feast upon the words of Christ, they are embedded in the fleshy tables of the heart. Yeah, so we're combining these two lessons of uh, Genesis 5, Moses 6, and then the other lesson of Moses 7 into 1. Because, number one, I feel like they're pretty related. They both talk about a lot about Enoch and a lot about kind of where we get from Adam and Eve and, and Cain and Abel and Seth to a few years down the line with with enoch a lot of the principles are the same in these two but it's just interesting as we as we read in genesis it's like here's a giant thing about genealogy right here's how everybody went so-and-so begat so-and-so and and lived for this long then he begat so-and-so and lived for this long and it's not till verse 22 Where it kind of talks about Enoch and it just says, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And then in verse 24, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And that's really all it says in the Bible. In this chapter about that, because then it just goes on with the rest of genealogy and it's like, wow, um, he was not. What does that mean? And then we go over to to Pearl of Great Price in Moses chapter six, and it's a lot more detail, number one, about the genealogy, but then also about kind of the situation that was going on with the people and how these prophets were kind of working to continue to teach the gospel to people who were more and more enticed by the evil things of the world and kind of just having a good time and not really taking things seriously and seeking out power and things like that. And then how the Lord sp- spoke to Enoch and what it meant that Enoch walked with God, right? What does that actually mean? Um, we learned a lot more about that in, in the Pearl of Great Price. So I, I think it's really cool that we have both of those to go off of. Yeah, I
1: I like um. Well, I don't and I do. Most of the time in the scriptures, when it starts spelling out this person, we got this person, this person, we got this. I tune out. I'm like, let's give me the first one, give me the last one and tell me why it's important. That's not something that for me, I ever understood well, until I started realizing and asking myself, why would God do this? And it wasn't until I got into the Book of Mormon and I saw how important it was that there's always a line, an unbroken line of where these records get handed off to. From from Lehi to Nephi to Jacob and so on all the way to Moroni, right? And I think that symbolizes also a priesthood line of authority. Um, and it's it's interesting because in the in the Bible we see sections and parts, and even the New Testament begu- begins with uh, one of them. I think it might be Luke or Matthew. It begins with the genealogy of Christ, his lineage, how he came through. Through, through the stick of Jesse or whatever, right? Um, and, and so my thought is in Moses chapter six, verse five, it talks about in a book of remembrance was kept in the which was recorded in the language of Adam, for it was given unto as many as called upon God to write by the spirit of inspiration. And by them, their children were taught to read and write and have a language which was pure and undefiled. Now this same priesthood, which was in the beginning, shall be in the end of the world also. And I think that's interesting because one we learn in the Book of Mormon how important it was for Lehi and Nephi to have the plates of brass with them, right? And then we saw uh, later on in the book, uh, in 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 Mosiah chapter one. It gives us a counter understanding of another civilization or not a counter understanding, but another example of another civilization who came but did not bring that came to a promised land, but did not bring scriptures with them and how they lost a lot of the commandments and they lost their their language. And it wasn't a good thing. Right. And it's interesting to find this here because this precedes all of that to say God taught them to keep records. He, they were also taught to read and write, to preserve their language and enhance it. And and, and it was also there to um, teach their children. And it also talks, I don't know if it means the priesthood also was this line of unbroken order. But it's interesting that that verse is there. Now it says, now this same priesthood was in the beginning and shall be in the end. And when we look at our modern church and its main functions, it's, if you've ever been a ward clerk or had or known somebody who's a ward clerk, how much emphasis in structure there is to keep the records, keep the ordinances, keep all of these things in order. And that's one of the main um, duties of the priesthood and the bishop is to ensure that the records are kept, the finances are spent correctly, you know that everyone is accounted for. And even if you've worked in any uh, auxiliary or been part, or been, we've all been touched by this everyone that we know who's assigned to whom ministering companions who where everybody lives you know how many people are in a household who has needs and there's almost like these temporal organization that the lord expects and then so then you can do spiritual things you know
0: right. yeah it's it, I, that's that was my first thought when i read this was that the keeping of this book of remembrance and also the teaching of you know, the language, which could have meant the, meant the actual language they spoke, but it also could mean like the concepts of the gospel. These are the things we talk about. These are, this is the language we use. These are the ordinances that we're talking about. Um, all of that compi- comprises what the priesthood is. And it's the same priesthood that we have now as what they had then and what we'll have in the future. That this idea of keeping not only... Uh, like a, an action log of what we do but also like the spiritual and like you were saying spiritual and temporal things that we carry out but then also teaching having the responsibility to continue to teach the language that is pure and undefiled that, that that's the in my mind that's the gospel that's the doctrine that's what we're trying to teach is that keeping that that message the same throughout all these generations that's a part of the priesthood and that's not to say that it's a an you know we know that men carry the priesthood but that's not only a responsibility of men um it's it never says in here that you know only the men did this but what it's saying is these actions these responsibilities fall on the priesthood to carry them out
1: yeah i i i always enjoy reading the scriptures and tying them to the book of mormon especially when we're talking about the old testament because When we dive really far into the Old Testament, we lose a lot of context and we lose a lot of information. And a lot of time goes by very quickly and there's just not much information. That's why when you study the Old Testament, like we are this year, it's paired with the perma price. Because it's almost like we got an enhancement and a lot more details. Like you mentioned at the beginning, it talks about... Enoch and it gives us several sentences and nothing much but then we go to the book of Moses and it enhances the Enoch story and we get way more insight into Enoch and one of the chapters I really enjoy in the book of Mormon that kind of speaks about this book of remembrance or or these plates or these record keeping is in Mosiah chapter 1 verse 3 and this is King Mosiah I think he says, and he also taught them concerning the records which were engraved on the plates of brass, saying, My sons, I would that you should remember that if that were it not for these plates, which contain these records and these commandments, we would have suffered in ignorance even to at this present time, not knowing the mysteries of God. For if for it were not possible that our father Lehi, or we could say Adam, we could say Enoch, could have remembered all these things, to have taught them to his children, except it were for the help of these plates. For he having been taught in the language of the Egyptians, or we could say the language of Adam, therefore he could read these engravings and teach them to his children, that thereby they could teach them to their children, and so fulfilling the commandments of God even down to this present time. And I really like that because it's it's a we, we when we dive into the scriptures, we start seeing the Lord's pattern for helping us, giving us the tools, giving us responsibilities and commandments. That it's been through the through all he's like it says in the scripture he's the same yesterday today and forever, you know, and and I like like I really really enjoy when these things come together and you start seeing that Adam taught his children their children taught their children and as they began becoming a large civilization it turned into God calls these prophets to go to the people and say hey we got to turn from our ways remember what what our well, is taught in the scriptures. Remember what God has given us? And what these scriptures are and what the scriptures are to us is revelation. Revelation that's given to someone and they write it down because it's precious to them. You know? And it may be that a lot of these revelations, you know, are things that we needed to pass down to our children you know, and so it is in our personal lives, like we shouldn't let these moments where you have learned something that took you to learn through your experiences about your life and your relationship with God. Are you communicating that to your children? And if you don't have children, are you communicating that to those around you? You know, one of the reasons I think would make one of the things that, you know, our fast and testimony meetings are for this exact same thing. We get up to come and bear witness of the revelation we've received and the answers in and the, and the, and the spirit that we felt in specific parts of our lives, So we can testify to others that Christ is the Christ, you know, that our Heavenly Father cares about us. That just as Enoch was able to find unity amongst his people and, and, and kind of turn the tide of their wickedness and, and bring people to God. That we have these similar things that occur in our individual lives. And that's when the scriptures become alive. Because all of these stories, all of these patterns don't mean much until you start like applying them in your life and seeing that, oh, I understand about a promised land. Not because I've physically gone to a promised land, but because I was in a place I didn't want to be. And the Lord sent me on this journey. And as I gave myself to him, I moved from where I was to a much better place. And so now, when I read the scriptures, I see that Lehi went through this journey, or, or Enoch did this, or, or Adam, and then later we get into Noah and Abraham and all, all these other Greek people. That their interaction and their their movement, their revelation, their their enabling, their agency to to become more than what they are, is the same thing that God is asking of us in 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 our lives right now, you know.
0: Yeah, I think it's also interesting when we look at verse fifteen that this is why it was so important for them to keep that book of remembrance and to keep teaching that that language verse 15 and the children of men were numerous upon the face of the land and in those days satan had great dominion among men and raged in their hearts and from thenceforth came wars and bloodshed and a man's hand was against his own brother in administering death because of secret works seeking for power satan is just as involved in spreading his ideas among people as the lord is spreading the gospel and doctrine among his people and it's interesting in this verse why did satan have this dominion among men because people wanted power and because they did bad things to get it and to keep it and it's it became about control and restriction of agency and that's really the opposite of what the gospel is right where the gospel is trying to provide opportunity for choice for agency It's not about controlling one another. It's about working together in unity. And Satan was doing the exact opposite. And he was trying to propose to people, you know, you could be in charge of this whole thing. And maybe if you made a deal with someone, so he'd join you and then he, he could be your right hand man or whatever. And so you're starting these these conflicts and wars and bloodshed. And that's why it was so important to be like, hey, we need this book of remembrance. And if you think about the scriptures in terms of a book of remembrance rather than just like commandments or, you know, so so-and-so so-and-so and so so-and-so begat so and so and so and so begat so and so. It's like this is the collective memory of thousands of years of people. And this is how we can tap into the experiences and the learnings of all these other people for your benefit. All their memories compiled into these books so that we can be reminded of what we're supposed to be doing and we can be reminded of what our potential can be. And we can look past these immediate instant gratification moments that that Satan is always proposing to us. And we can look back and say, no, you know what? I remember because of this book, because of these texts, what my purpose is and what my promises are from the Lord. We get short-sighted when all we want is power, getting it and keeping it. Because in the long run, none of that will matter, right? In the afterlife, it doesn't matter if you were a king or a servant. What kind of person were you will matter going on to to verse 26 in moses 6 it's kind of interesting because it's talking about enoch and how he journeyed in the land among the people and it says as and as he journeyed the spirit of god descended out of heaven and abode with him and he heard a voice from heaven saying enoch my son prophesy unto this people and saying to them repent for thus saith the lord i am angry with this people and my fierce anger is kindled against them for their hearts have waxed hard and their ears are dull of, of hearing and their eyes cannot see far far off. And for these many generations, ever since the day that I created them, have they gone astray, and have denied me, and have sought their own counsels in the dark, and in their own abominations have they devised murder, and have not kept the commandments which I gave unto their father Adam. Wherefore they have forsworn themselves, and by their oaths they have brought upon themselves death, and a hell I have prepared for them if they repent not. And this is the decree which I have sent forth in the beginning of the world from my own mouth, from the foundation thereof, by the mouths of my servants, thy fathers have I decreed it, even as it shall be sent forth in the world to the ends thereof. Instead of choosing to listen to the prophets and to the spirit, they've chosen to do things on their own in darkness. They've chosen to kind of separate themselves from, uh, from the light of the spirit. And it reminds me of the, the whole initiative that the brethren have been doing about hear him and how they've tried to show us different ways that we can hear him. You can get revelation from the Lord directly for us. And uh, when, when we aren't paying attention, when we aren't listening, when we're just trying to go by our own devices, it's kind of like what we're doing, like what these people are doing. We're kind of doing things in, in darkness. You know, it's like holding a flashlight, but never turning it on. And you're just walking around trying to find your way around a, a dark room. And you're holding the flashlight, but you're never going to turn it on because you're like, no, I can do it. I don't need that help. You know, and it's like, why wouldn't you use that? It seems so logical that you would. But in so many ways, I think we get stubborn or we get afraid of what it might actually mean for us to to see everything and to know what we need to be doing that we don't turn the flashlight on. And instead, we prefer to just kind of stumble around until we happen to come across the things that make us happy in real life. And so I, I think it's interesting that he's basically telling Enoch, look. You gotta go and set these people straight because they're doing all this stuff and they're not getting any better, right?
1: <laughs> I think it's interesting what the what the difference that having like we know Adam walked with God and a similar phrase is used with Enoch walked with God. And I'm curious and then we have this contrast of these people who, like you said, are like kind of walking around without a flashlight in darkness. And then I think in, verse, in Moses 7, verse 36, well, Moses 7, verse 35, where it says, Behold, I am God, man of holiness is my name, man of counsel is my name, endless and eternal is my name also, wherefore I can stretch forth my hand and hold all the creations which I have made, and my eye can pierce the ball, and among all the workmanship of my hands there has not been so great wickedness as among thy brethren. So, and then it goes to say, why? Like, hey, because they made Satan their father. And misery should be their doom, and the whole heaven should weep over them, even all the workmanship of my hand. Wherefore, should not the heavens weep, seeing that all these should suffer? And this is this is when Enoch asks the Lord, hey, how can you weep? You're so great. How can you weep? And he, then he uh, explains his title. And I I find that interesting because when we walk with God, It creates a much-needed perspective for us to keep in mind. When we don't walk with him, we can fall prey to the lack of perspective. I, I don't know if that makes sense. But one of the things that keeping the Lord and his gospel in perspective does for us is it helps us see the context of our interactions and in that it's okay that others around us have their truths you know we, we use that mm-hmm. this is my truth right and what people are trying to say is i think they're trying to say from my experiences and my perspective this is what makes sense to me right and then you get someone else who's like oh i'm gonna speak my truth and it's not that it's false or it shouldn't be diminished it's just they have a different perspective and when, I, and when we link ourselves to a lot of individuals who have a lot of various perspectives, we can't elevate our understanding. It sure helps, but when we link ourselves to God, whom is a man of counsel, a man of holiness, endless, who can see all the creations, who can pierce everything, then he can guide us to have a wider, true perspective. And I feel like it's not one or the other. I think we have to value other individuals. We have to value their perspective. But at the end of the day, we have to say, well, what is the truth? And that is what Jesus Christ represents. And that's why also He is our Savior, because through His atonement, He knows what your truth is. He knows what your perspective, what the road that you're traveling. And because of that, He can help you go from that your perspective, to his perspective. And that's where this alignment comes into play. And when we align ourselves with God, we start to understand, one, ourselves better, but also we begin to have understanding for others. And I think that's where charity comes from, is when we're able to see others in their perspective, we don't condemn the sinner we condemn the sin or we don't condemn them for their faults but see their potential and start seeing them with the pure love of christ which i think is the goal of all the disciples of christ is to become like him that's much harder to do because i think part of the reason he is whom he is and his understanding is so deep is because of the atonement now we get can get a glimpse into that by using that atonement on ourselves You know, then we begin to understand, hey, how how much I thought I knew yesterday, how much more I know today and just the funniness of how ignorant I was before I knew what I know now. I can see that others whom instead of casting them off, they just need the opportunity to know a little bit more and they can they can know what I know. I don't know if that makes sense, but.
0: Uh, Yeah, it does. Um, The the interesting thing is he's asking Enoch to do all of this, uh, teaching the people of of all these concepts. And Enoch himself, well, he has a, you know, we've seen his heritage. We know where he comes from. (laughs) There's not that many generations. Kind of everyone comes from the same place. Um, But he, he asked the Lord in verse 31 of Moses 6, why is it that i have found favor in thy sight i am but a lad okay he's like how old was he at this point point? 65 something like that i'm but a lad and all the people hate me for i am slow of speech wherefore am i thy servant and i think that's a common response among a lot of the prophets that are called by god uh, you see it later with with uh moses saying the same type of thing you see it several times in the Book of Mormon where people are like, look, I, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm really prophet material. And the Lord responds in verse 34, Behold, my spirit is upon you, wherefore all thy words will I justify. And the mountains shall flee before you, and the rivers shall turn from their course. And thou shalt abide in me, and I in you. Where, therefore, walk with me. And then drop down to verse 38. At the end, it says, A wild man hath come among us. The people are are saying, a wild man. And then verse thirty nine. And it came to pass when they heard him, no man laid hands on him, for fear came up on all men that that heard him. All them that heard him, for he walked with God. And I I read those and I think your first response is, I don't know if I am cut out for this. I don't know if I if I'm the right person. I'm not charismatic. I'm not, you know, a flashy teacher or person. I'm slow of speech. The people hate me, he says. <laughs> and how did that go in, in a few verses from that kind of insecurity and and not being too sure about your capabilities to people labeling you a wild man, which I just I kind of find that funny. But also, you know, them saying uh, we can't we can't mess with him because he walks with God. And the Lord telling him, walk with me and you'll be good. I got you covered. And I think about that many times, you know, when you get a calling or when you get a new change in your life that's going to demand more out of you, you may feel like it's beyond your capabilities or beyond your your knowledge or your, your skill or even just your comfort. And what the Lord's teaching is here is if I've asked you to do this, if this is the situation in your life and you walk with me, you'll be fine. You can do it. And he he was I mean, he's facing a very, very difficult task because, as we can see, you know, the people are kind of doing whatever they want. And they're they're really susceptible to Satan at this time. Not any more than we are now, but it's a uh, it's a real thing. And what does he go and he te- what does he teach them? There's a lot of a lot of things in here. But in verse 52. I, I read this verse and I was like, wow. When we talk about how God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it, it really is true. I mean, listen to what he teaches here. If thou wilt turn unto me, and hearken unto my voice, and believe, and repent all the, all of thy transgressions, and be baptized even in water in the name of mine only begotten Son, who is full of grace and truth, which is Jesus Christ, the only name which shall be given under heaven, whereby salvation shall come unto the children of men. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, asking all things in his name, and whatsoever ye shall ask, it shall be given unto you. And it's that same idea that we teach today. They were teaching thousands of years ago. The pattern was established even among the very first sinners first faith, then repentance, then baptism, then the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? Um, it, it does not change. That will never change. First, we have to have faith. Then, we need to make changes in our lives to repent. Then, baptism. And, like, we know long term what that meant for those people. The people who decided to follow, they were taken, right? When it says in the first part of of Genesis, when it's talking about Enoch, and it says he was not, why was he not? Well, he was not because the people were so righteous after choosing to follow the Lord that they were taken from the earth. So this guy went from being very insecure, very unsure about his calling as a prophet to basically changing hearts and minds of people. And establishing a, a city that was worth no longer having to dwell on earth anymore. So when you walk with God, truly anything is possible. So the other the other concept I wanted to bring up was in Moses 7:18. It's a very famous scripture in of Great Price. And the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind, and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no poor among them. And Enoch continued, it says in 19, Enoch continued his preaching and righteousness unto the people of God, and it came to pass in his days that he built a city that was called the city of holiness, even Zion. And, you know, we have a conceptual term of Zion now. Zion is the pure in heart. It's not a place. Um, at one point in church history, Zion, they were trying to build a physical place of Zion. Now we know that that physical place is not necessarily a, you know, Salt Lake City or Nauvoo or Kirtland. Zion is the pure in heart. It's what we're trying to establish wherever we are. But it's interesting because it talks a lot about unity there, about one heart and one mind. And you and I have talked a lot about the the concepts of diversity and inclusion and stuff like that, and how there's a, a lot of efforts to increase diversity and increase inclusion of those diverse people. And the concept to me is that we are all different. We are all inherently different. Even neighbors living next to each other their whole lives, are they're different people. Everyone is going to have their own individual perspective and view on life. Everyone is going to have their own ideas, their own uh, values of what they consider to be important. Um, somebody might feel that one thing is more important than someone else that diversity in thought is necessary it creates richness right if everything is too uniform then it becomes kind of bland uniformity is not necessarily what we want right that just becomes like okay so everyone's exactly the same that's I don't think that's what we want we do value diversity but diversity is just a bunch of different ideas if there's no unity and purpose and cause and I think that that's something that the city of zion in the time of enoch probably experienced it's not that they were all homogenous and so they all agreed and everyone just did what everyone else wanted to do and they were all just perfectly happy together without any differences among them but what it means is no differences in purpose their goal was to live the gospel regardless of their own individual preferences they were united under the cause of living the way that the lord wanted them to live And so. Yeah, I think in many ways that that's a a perfect embodiment of what we're striving for, that even though there may be significant differences in background and education and socioeconomic class and ethnicity and whatever else among us, that if we're one in purpose, if we are one people, as it describes in that verse 18, all of this is very much possible for us to experience as well. We may not be taken up, you know, as an entire city or ward or neighborhood or whatever, but when we are one in purpose, we will experience a lot more blessings than if we're just trying to point out uh, all these differences. Differences doesn't inherently sow division, is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah.
1: Yes. One, I can think of when Paul talks about the body of Christ, you know, that the head, the hand, the foot, and he's speaking to the church and saying, you are all one in Christ. And because you have different functions, doesn't mean... You, you know, you can still be united and everybody's needed. Right. Okay. And then there's a couple of scriptures in the New Testament when I when I just search for the word poor. And. Um, the first one is in Matthew 5, 3, where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then in Luke 4:18, the Lord says, and the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance unto the captives, and recovering the sight to the blind, and to set, the, set at liberty them that are bruised. And in Matthew 19, 21, it says, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, this is what he's talking to the, the rich, the young rich man, uh, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell thou, sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And I think that's interesting in in when I think about how Christ views the term poor, and when he speaks about the city of Enoch, that there was no poor among them. And if I look at poor as not just monetarily lacking money, but as lacking spiritual nourishment, lacking uh, recognition, uh, not being taken care of, not being included in the group. You know, all of these terms that are, that seem to resonate with what Christ is saying about blessed are the poor for you shall inherit the earth. He's going to a people who are not, they're like in the outskirts of society and he's telling them all of this that you wish you had, I actually have made it for you. And And when he talks to people when he invites us to sell what we have and give it to the poor or to go preach the gospel to those that are poor, he's not, I think what he's saying is what he has is meant for everyone. And when, in, when we begin to live and we start um, putting people almost in like caste systems and we start treating each other based on value over currencies we've created, we're not using God's currency, where he's saying the worth of one soul is great in the sight of God. We're saying the worth of your 401k account or what kind of job you have or or the kind of shoes you have or how many followers you have, that's the best word. No, he's saying the opposite. It's like I am here for the people, for the individual. And when I look at the city of Enoch, I love the story because it's one example I always try to keep in mind. There's a lot of examples of like what Heavenly Father did to Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities, you know, there's examples of like in the Book of Mormon of great destructions of city being buried by uh, mountains or the sea or just, I don't know, all sorts of things because of wickedness. But Enoch, the city of Enoch stands as a shining beacon that the, the ultimate design of man was never meant to be a failure. It was never meant to be chastisement or punishment, which is sometimes how people view the scripture, especially the Old Testament, yeah, but right from the beginning, the Lord is giving us an example that if done right, all of you can 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 embrace the gospel and nourish each other and be united and you 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 graduate you know almost like they graduated and they got taken into heaven well
0: and but, think of, think about the difference between the people that were living in the city of Zion, the city of Enoch, and those that didn't want to participate in that and didn't want to follow Enoch, like the differences that were happening in the world were so great at that time, it seems. You've got these people that are living so righteously, and I, I totally agree with you about that concept of poor. It's not money. Um, I think it's, it could be money, but it also has to do with like, what are their needs? Are all of their holistic needs being met? Are their spiritual needs being met do they have adequate food do they have an adequate home you know is everything like I'm caring about you so much that every aspect of your life is my issue too and when everyone started looking at each other that way and they started living in a a way that was like is everyone okay is everyone taking care of then it was like all right well we're living in a way where everyone has their physical needs met and we're meeting each other's spiritual needs like, what else is there to learn? What else is there to do? You know, and then Lord was kind of like, nothing. You're, you're being translated now. You've, you've got, you figured it out. You're following what I've, what I've asked you to do. And then on, outs, on the outside of that, you've got all these people that are like, we want nothing to do with this. And that juxtaposition, I think is really interesting because like you said, I I don't, I don't think we really recognize this story as much as we ought to because it's overshadowed by all these other stories of just doom and destruction and the lord saying i'm going to rain my wrath upon you you know that did happen too but it's not the only thing that happened the old testament is not just a vengeful god you know that floods the whole earth and kills everyone it's also a noah on an ark it's also all these people that are trying their best to do their best to follow god and receiving blessings because of it
1: Become an
0: engaged learner. Immerse yourself in the scriptures to understand better Christ's mission and ministry. Know the doctrine of Christ so that you understand its power for your life. Internalize the truth that the atonement of Jesus Christ applies to you. Every time you plug in your phone, use it as a reminder to ask yourself, if you have plugged into the most important source of spiritual power, prayer and scripture study, which will charge you with inspiration through the Holy Ghost. It will help you know the mind and will of the Lord to make the small but important daily choices that determine your direction. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He
1: invites us to come follow me.